Welcome back to another episode of Tryhouse Tells Mysteries of Histories. By now, you know what we do. This is the podcast that dives into the strangest and funniest mysteries of our shared history. Today, we are talking about the Voynich Manuscript, a book that was created sometime in the 15th century, but it's unlike any manuscript ever found from that era. It seems to be written in a language no cryptologist has ever been able to crack, with pictures of long-forgotten recipes made from fantastical plants. So who created this mysterious book? Aliens? Gods? Roger Bacon? Mm? Or a madman? Well, we'll dive in. And of course... Welcome back, Commander. This is... My house tells... Mystery. Oh, And welcome back to another episode of Try House Tells Mysteries of Histories. Today, we are talking about the Voynich Manuscript. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's exactly Voynich what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> that and is what we're talking about. Yeah. I didn't think <laughs> yeah. it was called the Voynich Manuscript until this very moment. <laughs> well, it's not. It's the Voynich. <laughs> yeah. The <God>. listeners. <laughs> well, actually, so I'm Jeremy. I'm Jeremy. Welcome back. I'm oh yeah, I'm, I'm Matthew McKay. Oh hey, what? Ooh, I don't know. I was just throwing it in. I didn't know. I was. I was like, I'll bring energy. <laughs> I like how we've done right, like right, yeah. over thirty of these, and we're still like, just every time we begin, we're like, wait, what are we doing again, you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what are we doing? <laughs> um, art. Yeah, art. So uh, that is what we're doing. I feel like the listeners are like, damn, how many manuscripts exist in the world? Like, there's so many mysterious manuscripts, dude. Yeah, we've already covered one of them, the Devil's Bible. Yeah, dude, the Devil's right. Bible. Yeah, There's and this actually things. is is a little similar, although this one is actually mostly referred to as quote the world's most mysterious manuscript. So it's got the Devil's Bible beat. Wow. Right. Oh, yeah, because Devil's Bible is the Devil's Bible, but this is yeah, yeah. we know yeah we know like that it's made for summoning the devil. Dead Sea Scrolls, fucking Book of Kells, just fucking lots of old books and shit, dude. The Infinitum yeah, Ogma. Is that a real thing? Is that from Skyrim? What is that? Yeah, it's from Skyrim, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Nerd. Nerd. Yeah, wow. It just came into my mind as like a text, you know, as like a, as like a series. Uh, Hermaeus Mora. <laughs> Hermaeus Mora. Dude, speaking of Devil's Bible, imagine... Imagine the devil just like behind a pulpit, just giving a sermon, man. <laughs> just reading. He's like, and here in Lucifer 666, the only verse I ever read. <laughs> okay, that was good. Oh, that was good. That was a good image. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> but yeah, back to Voynich's manuscript. Yeah, Voynich. Yes. Voynich. yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> Sounds so uncomfortably close to the Voyage manuscript. <laughs> yes, it does. I had nowhere to go with that. It just came out. <laughs> I was I was wondering. It's like I just I don't understand. Kevin, did you get that? No, but I was gonna roll with it. Okay, the... cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so guys, 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 guys. All right, so okay, I sh- guys. I shit you not. This Ladies. may be the longest running problem that science has ever been trying to solve, and I mean science is more like scholars, because scholars have been around forever, um, except for like. So this is probably the longest running problem except for maybe illness and death because this thing, it's theorized to have been written in the 5th century, possibly in Italy. Um, Yet who pinned it? No one has any idea. And uh, there have been scholars who have been trying to figure out this manuscript since that time. 
Yeah. Um, well, since like, I think it was the 16th century was when it actually like, I think that's like, when no, really 17th century, 1600s is when, well, not when it gained some steam, but like the first 200 years uh, from when it was created to uh, when it was first, when we could first trace it back, um, people were trying to figure out what it actually meant. Dude. So, yes, what's up? I was gonna say if people if people had known what the book actually said at the time, I bet you it would have become a revered, maybe even religious manuscript. Because they're like, well, who who wrote it? Nobody knows who wrote it. <laughs> it's like maybe it was God. <laughs> and people would live their lives by it, bro. It is interesting. That is actually one of the theories. That it was so, written by God? Uh, it was written by well, an angel specifically. Wow. wow. So and that's why what is actually angel in this read. book? <laughs> Fucking angels, man. <laughs> <laughs> can't even speak Just English. Stupid-ass angel. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. Stupid alien. <laughs> uh, angel, sorry. Uh, actually, aliens are another one. But anyway, we'll get into that in a Aliens second. could be angels. Let's just... Let's just put that they out. They could there. be. The Anunnaki, you know? man. Gods, yeah, angels, kind of all could synonymous all be, with each other. Yeah, could totally be connected. All right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> in this book... There are pictures of impossible plants and strange, like, rituals that populate the pages and also graphs of astronomy. Um, and to this day, no one has been able to translate even one word. Not, not officially. Uh, there are unofficial uh, decryptors who have deciphered it, apparently. But they have all been uh, thrown out because, uh, what, what's her name? Fragon, Fagan, Fagan Davis, Lisa Fagan Davis, <laughs> Lisa Fagan Davis. <laughs> uh, is that a slur to say her name? Uh, we apologize. No. We apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I'm. I'm just gonna like not say her her name because I don't I even know. I guess you just don't say her middle name. Yeah, just let's just call her just by Lisa the middle Davis. name. Imagine <laughs> so having a middle name and then <laughs> wanting people to say it. Like yeah, yeah. Like, no, I call me by my full you. name. Yeah. <laughs> there are too many Lisa Davises out there. You got to call me Lisa Fagan Davis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's probably Fagan, but we're not going to say that. No, it probably podcast. is Fagan. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll Isn't that like Fagan. the name in Oliver Twist? Isn't that his name? Like the evil overlord dudes? I think his name's like Fagan. I, I anyway, Fagan. moving on. That's definitely a name. Um, so, yes, the depictions inside are everything from fanciful to grotesque. It is everything from herbalism, astronomy, cosmology, and medicine all hidden inside of its pages. Some have proposed that the knowledge is of an important nature, uh, more specifically of medicine, um, but we haven't been able to decipher it, so we haven't been able to confirm. Because an entire section is actually dedicated to recipes um, of some like strange unknown medieval medicines. That's so, so leeches and you know like <laughs> yeah right that's just bleeding i just you know i just um, feel like that there's you know maybe we don't need medieval medicine right now maybe that's not where <laughs> scholars should be putting their time <laughs> yeah i know perhaps perhaps <laughs> maybe maybe it'll be the cure for corona who fucking knows imagine <laughs> someone needs to like decrypt this now the cure is in so, the text it's in the text so what we are convening today is to ask some questions and hopefully to find some answers and those questions are who made the manuscript is it just a fabrication that has had many scholars dedicate like their lives to this for nothing because if it's a hoax then it's just gibberish um yeah. or 
Maybe is it something more sinister? Or possibly a text written by God? Wow. Dun, wow. Dun, 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 dun. Bum, 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 bum. Maybe I should put that in in, in the post. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> something so more what, sinister. So, let's, so what exactly is the manuscript? Well, it's a 240-page codex, very similar to the Codex Gygus, which is the Devil's Bible that we covered. Uh, and a codex... Um, is usually described, it describes a handwritten book. Uh, the book is nine inches tall, six inches wide, and two inches thick, with 32 pages missing from its 240-page volume. It's divided into four sections. Uh, Jeremy, what? Did you have something to say? Oh, that no, was, you know, I didn't. That was me. That, that oh, was oh, that was you, Kevin. Kevin was going to say, it's not like my dick because I have a baby dick. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I forgot to reintegrate that joke. Dad, damn it. It's okay. Dad. I did, too. I, I forgot to, to oh. put anything between my first and last name, so I, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> We're failures. Well, I was just saying, why do all these the manuscripts always <laughs> have a huge chunk of pages missing? Because they're absurd. old, man. Oh, but still. 32 but pages. Still, I, I don't have a single it's book that's missing pages. Because <laughs> it's not, you don't have any books that are old enough, my friend. And yeah, I'm you don't, sure yeah. your wife has plenty of books that have pages missing. Yeah, she has I was going to say. Old ass books in her shelf. I was going to say, because yeah, Kevin might. doesn't read. That's why. So, Kevin, when you don't read, <laughs> there's no opportunity Do, does Kevin to even know how to read? Out. Yeah, I don't okay, know. Okay, okay, shitters. <laughs> Do they teach that in Corpus Christ? Oh, my God. Corpus Christi. <laughs> Corpus, Corpus Christ, the body of Christ. Um, the body of Christi. Okay, but yes. Anyways. Yes. Anyways, so it is the book is divided into four sections. The first section is filled with depictions of strange plants. Have you ever seen like those old books that have like drawings of plants that look like you see like their root system all the way up? Like they're suspended in air outside of dirt. Yeah. And they have like, you know, little scribblings all over them being like identifying the parts of the plant. Really kind of cool. It's like, what is it called? Like an herbarium or something? Anyway, like an herbarium herbarium depiction. Moving on. The second section is about astrology. It has uh, certain like astrology charts. Uh, So actually I said astrology or astronomy earlier, but it's actually astrology, I believe. Um, Circular patterns depicting the stars and the moon and the sun. Uh, and then the third section is kind of like a jumble of both. And then the last section is all those recipes of unknown medieval medicines that, nice. I mean, we haven't been able to decode it. So we're not certain what any of the plants are because the plants themselves are strange. Like it's not really, a lot of them are ones that we've never seen before. So it's like, where the hell did this book come from? My My thoughts? Instantly, it came from another realm, like an alternate Whoa. universe. Oh, maybe the Ogma Infinitum. Nani? It came from Humerius Mora's realm. Apocrypha. Am I a nerd? I'm a nerd. Anyway. I love it. Yeah, so that's just, that's kind of what it's comprised of. And now we're going to get into kind of the history of how the book came into the modern world jeremy dude, dude for, take this? for yeah sure man for for all we know though the book could have been those recipes could be like medieval mac and cheese and it could be like the best mac and cheese <laughs> ever oh we just don't even know how the manuscript came to the modern day how did it make it how did it make it here so let's paint a picture for you it is 1930 ethel voynich's husband wilfred 
and it's not spelled like how you would think it's spelled. It's spelled F R I D. Wilfried has just passed yeah, away. He was from Polish. A, yeah, I guess it was a Polish spelling. <laughs> Wilfried the Pole has just passed away from Wilfried. lung cancer. Oh, that's very sad. Um, in life, he was a cryptographer and a collector of rare books. In fact, he made it his job to collect said rare books and sell them off to the highest bidder. But those hobbies died with him, and his wife inherited all those old rare books, not giving a fuck about any of them. But there was one book that was not like the rest. Ethel recognized the book that one... Oh, so sorry, sorry. Ethel recognized the book as the one her husband often obsessed over, claiming that he was in possession of Bacon's Cipher, a legendary method of Sir Francis Bacon's designed to conceal the meaning of a string of text. He was so sure of its validity that he spent countless hours trying to prove it and even put the price of the manuscript at a whopping $500,000 in the 1930s. And back then. That's at the price of the earth. Um, <laughs> Wilfred had to, that's enough to run America for several weeks. Uh, <laughs> Wilfred had told his wife that he'd bought the manuscript in 1912 at the Villa Mondragoni in Italy in affiliation with the Vatican Library. He purchased 30 books that day. Oh my God, the Vatican Library is just letting books like this slip through their hands. Come on, Pope. Slapping guys they in the face. They needed money, bro. Selling these damn books. I know. I know they do. Sometimes the Pope needs money. He's like, come on, you guys. Don't you want to save your family members from hell by, what are those things? Buying the, <laughs> the, the forgivenesses. The indulgences. Yeah, yeah, the indulgences. <laughs> Nobody wants indulgences anymore. Take the Voynich Manuscript. <laughs> Voynich <laughs> Manuscript. <laughs> be damned. <laughs> your family will burn in hell, but at least you'll have this mysterious book. Um, so Ethel Voynich lived another 30 years holding on to the book. She carried it everywhere she went. She showered with it. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> she didn't do that. She, she yeah. certainly did that. <laughs> but it does say here, holding on to the book. But maybe that's until how her... the 30 pages were, were missing. Yeah, maybe that's how yeah. they got lost. <laughs> They came out in the shower while she was distracted by <laughs> shaving her mustache in her later years. Um, oh un un until her death in 1960, when she left it to her good friend, Anne Nil. A year later, Anne sold it to a book dealer, Hans Kraus, who was unable to find a buyer for years. For fuck's sake, Anne. Yeah, he <laughs> oh doesn't sell it for 30 years. He dies and or uh, she doesn't sell it for 30 years. And then she gives it to her friend. A year later, her friend's like, eh, well, okay. I know. <laughs> I know this was like I your husband's everything, and then you had it for another 30, but like... Yeah. She might have yeah. been a little bit of a prude. She might have looked inside of that book and been like, wow, there are a lot of pictures of naked ladies. This is sacrilege. Yeah. And then she just gave it away. Or she was like, it tempts anywhere. me to touch myself and was like... <laughs> Take it oh, out of This my is the house. devil's book. <laughs> yeah. This is the devil's book. I made the macaroni and cheese on page 76, <laughs> and now I can't stop masturbating. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I eat that mac and cheese. <laughs> oh, isn't oh, cheese an aphrodisiac? Sound? <laughs> That's what happens when you eat the sacred mac and cheese, dude. <laughs> I, uh, nasty. There we go, dude. <laughs> that should be Guys, a t-shirt. is cheese an aphrodisiac? The benefits of cheese, although most cultures around the world don't really talk about gouda or cheddar in romantic terms, it is embraced in Italian lit culture as an aphrodisiac and with good reason. What Apparently, the there is a enzyme inside of cheese called phenylethylamine. Wow. Which is an aphrodisiac. Just Bless fucking you. fascinating. 
Incredible. Yes, thank you. Dude, <laughs> there should be, we should have a t-shirt of a bowl of mac and cheese and just put Voynich Manuscript Mac and Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Improve your sex life. And then all like, all like, you know that picture of like the brain where it's like a bunch of like guys and girls like humping? Like that's the mac and cheese. It's like a bunch of little macaroni and cheeses that look like people just doing it. <laughs> we have gone off so <laughs> hard for on, on this no, but I, This was necessary. Oh, yes. Okay. And now let's get in the Autopia cars and bring it back to eventually Hans Krauss holding on to the book. Donated the manuscript to Yale University. Eight years later, what a sucker! He paid for it and then he donated it to Yale. He should have <laughs> yeah. sold it to he Yale. They have so profit. much money. Wait, what? He thought he could turn a profit. Well, dude, I would they have bought it? Who fucking knows? He probably oh, tried to get the. He probably tried to get the university to buy it, but they were like, no. Yeah, they're like, give it to us for the sake of knowledge, or fucking keep it. And he's like, all right, fine. <laughs> He, um, I don't know, his name is Hans Cross. Here you go. Here is manuscript. <laughs> yeah. Here is manuscript, yeah. <laughs> and this is how it eventually gained popularity as scholars across the world now had access to its contents for free. Contents that continue to baffle science and historians even to this day. Wow. And so now Kevin but... is going to tell us where did it come from? A little yes, hole on the tip of its wiener. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But where did it come from? While the vellum that okay, okay, okay. While the vellum that the pages of the manuscript were made of have been, I thought dated, you weren't going to screw up. <laughs> Shut up! You sound Shut so up. professional. <laughs> Damn it! All right. So the pages, uh, the vellum that they were they were made on were from either 1438 to 1494. It's unknown whether the book was written in that time or much later, but that's what it's believed in. Much of its earlier history is unknown, but some historians have been able to track its ownership all the way back to the 17th century when it was shelved in the library of George Bereshk. I wow. believe is how you say his name. I'm going to say that. Yeah, dude, I believe that. That's yeah, that great. sounds good. Bereshk was an alchemist in Prague who became intrigued by the manuscript, even sending depictions and passages of its text to a colleague in Rome, Kircher. Uh, mm, that one a little less certain about, but I'm going to say Kircher, <laughs> who claimed to have deciphered the Egyptian hieroglyph- hieroglyphic alphabet. It was these letters that confirmed the manuscript's whereabouts in the 17th century. So, bam. We can at least go back to the 17th century so we don't know about its first like 150 years of existence. Exactly, yeah. Correspondence began, uh, between the two were sparse, but it was clear that at one point, Kircher wanted to purchase the book from Baresk, though the alchemist refused because he was obsessed. Eventually, Baresk passed and the manuscript went to his friend Jean-Marec Marcy. Not long after, Kircher got his wish when Marcy sent the manuscript to him to be decrypted, because up to this point, uh, only Baresh can only send him, like, you know, sections that he had, like, transcribed himself to send. Um, And Marcy sent a letter with the manuscript. Um, I don't know what his voice is going to be, so I'm just going to go, Reverend and distinguished sir. No, no, no. I mean, Marcy sounds French. French? Well, he, it French? says that he's from, Mar- Marcy is from Kronland. So, oh no, so he's from Prague. No, yes. I yes. don't know what the, that if he's a friend, If he's a friend of Baresk, Baresk is from Prague. It's Czech. So it's the Czech, it's modern day Czech Republic. So, God, yeah, yeah. What is that? I, you know what? I'm just going to go with French. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's French. It's Marcy. Yeah. So I can't do French. It's been so long since I've done French. Okay, we're just gonna go with um 
Reverend and distinguished uh, father in Christ. <laughs> I just Most saw Reverend and I just went like Southern Baptist. <laughs> God just keep damn going, I, keep going. All right, all right. <laughs> this book bequeathed to me by an intimate friend uh, destined for you, my very dear Antheseus. Because that's an okay name to give to people. <laughs> as soon Back as it then, came into yes. my possession, for I was convinced that it could be read by no one except yourself. The former owner of the book asked your opinion by letter, copying and sending you a portion of the book which he believed you would be able to read the remainder. But he at that time refused to send the book itself. To its deciphering, he devoted unflagging toil, as it is apparent from his attempts of which I send you herewith. And he relinquished hope only with his life. But his toil was in vain, for such sphinxes as these obey no one but their master, Kircher. Except now this token. Such as it is, and long overdue, though it be of my affection for you, and burst through its bars, if there are any, with your wanted success. Well, uh, to this guy, what is it with writing in back in the old days? It's yeah, like they it's talked like, in circles, and they the have so many... Yeah. yeah, they have so many run-on sentences. It's okay. like, but it is, and then burst it the stars. Is this the next part even... Yeah, we'll, get, we'll do this next part. So, uh, yes. Dr. Raphael, a tutor in the Bohemian language to Ferdinand III, then King of Bohemia, told me the said book belonged to the Emperor Rudolph, and that he presented it to the bear who brought him the book 600 ducats. He believed Ducats. the author... What? Ducats. It was a currency. Oh, then. Ducats. Ducats. I preferred ducats. But, uh... <laughs> but he, just blatantly wrong, but you do you. Yeah. <laughs> he believed the author was Roger Bacon, the Englishman. On this point, I suspend judgment. It is your place to define for us what view we should take thereon. To whose favor and kindness I unreservedly commit myself and remain. At the command of your reverence... Joannes Marcus Mussey of Cronin, Prague, nineteenth August, sixteen sixty-five or sixteen sixty-six. I think the or sixteen sixty-six is like, man, is that a five or a six? God, you guys need to learn to write better. Um, but the <laughs> wait, notion. Wait, wait. Funny that, enough, can I just can I just say yeah. one thing? Little side note. One of the funny things. So Kircher, who's the guy who just who was the guy who uh, deciphered or claimed to decipher the Egyptian hieroglyphs. Um, a guy who is his contemporary didn't believe him so he actually sent a letter with a fake egyptian hieroglyph alphabet and like markings and sent it to him being like hey i i can't figure out this these egyptian hieroglyphs can you um can can, can you decipher it and kircher took it even though it's completely fraudulent doesn't really mean anything and apparently he actually deciphered it and then sent it back and the other guy completely humiliated him in public I just think it just wait. seems like as we're going to get into it, it wait, seems wait. like Ex cryptologists are all full of shit. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> so, uh, Kircher? It wasn't. Yeah, what's up? I'm sorry. I'm what? So, sorry. Kircher no, no. Okay. So, yeah, Kircher is a guy who claimed to have deciphered the Egyptian hieroglyphic alphabet. Uh, one of his contemporaries, not Marcy and not Baresk, it was some other guy. Uh, gave him a like said that he had discovered a passage of Egyptian hieroglyphs, but it's all bullshit. Enclosed the package, yeah, yeah. It was all it was all bullshit. Enclosed it in a package, sent it to him, and was like, "Please, can you help me decipher this?" Even though it was all gibberish, and he and Cursor sent back a letter with the with the decryption. the decipher. Yeah. Oh my God! What a dick. Yeah. Well, what what? <laughs> also, <A> like, <laughs> so he is Cursor. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he probably deciphered it as best as he could. What? I mean, I'm not a... But if if you claimed... He claimed earlier that he had already deciphered the Egyptian hieroglyphic alphabet. So if that were true, then he would have no... He would already know how to decrypt it, so he wouldn't... You, do, you get, do you get what I'm saying? Like, he would already, yeah. he apparently knows Egyptian oh, hieroglyphs. And, but it was, like, not yeah. even close to Egyptian hieroglyphs. <laughs> yeah. Like, what even is this Weird. shit? Okay, so the notion that the book once belonged to Rudolph is the almost imperceptible signature on the first page of the book that belongs to one of the heads of Rudolph's botanical gardens. So that you can trace. After the book went to Kircher, it was likely it likely was stored in his library. Then, during the unification of Italy by Victor Emmanuel II, many of the books in the library were given to the members of the government, except for a few. The Voynich Manuscript was one of these not removed from the library. But years went by, and the Society of Jesus, which, yes, that was a thing, who owned the library, short of money, I'm finding a very common theme here, sold the book to the Vatican, where it ultimately ended up in the hands of Wilford Voynich. So I just want to throw in here, the Society of Jesus is actually me, Kevin, and Matt's book club. Uh, shoot us a message on Instagram if you want to join. <laughs> oh my Praise God. be. Praise be. Praise be. Praise Lord be. Jesus. To the Lord. Do, 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 do. Feel his power. <laughs> Evolution is fake. <laughs> um. Yes. Um, so, well, I mean, it's kind of crazy to me that they actually are able to track the history of this book so well, you know? Like, they they really seem to know how it's changed hands over the years. Well, yeah. people seem to obsess Except, over it as the thing. Yeah. But it I seems mean, but like, the biggest mystery is that yeah. is that 200-year period of, it, it you know, seemed, when it was created to... Yeah. To Bresk. It seems like it didn't have a wide, you know, a wide swath of people caring about it until it got to the hands of Yale. It kind of seems like people right. overlooked it and didn't really appreciate it for such a long time. Well, no, no, no. That's not true. We just went over like both Baresque and Kircher and Marcy. Yeah, they all wanted to like, they all wanted to That's just a couple people that was in though. Like, it yeah. was you mean like broad, broadly, broadly where everybody yeah. could see it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah just that's, like what I, that's what I meant. It was it's like, like people with yeah, their own like, individual treasure maps instead yeah. of everybody getting to see the treasure map. They're like, let me keep yeah. this to myself and let me try to... <laughs> It was very selfish. I feel like a lot of these, okay, no offense to all the historians listening, because we know there are many of you. <laughs> but I just feel like a lot of these people, they just seem so ego-driven, where it's more about yeah. their accomplishments than actually giving something to the world, you know? Yeah, and especially with, like, the part that, that you researched, yeah, like, the part that all the people that try to decipher it, too. Yeah. It just seems like an ego trip. They're just at each other's throats, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm. What can you do? What can you do? So, who penned the book? So, no matter what Marcy believed, because he believed that uh, it was uh, Roger Bacon's. I mean, he he really, well, he didn't really know. So, whatever he believed, the ownership or the authorship by Bacon is very much up for debate. Um, so, Min, Min, this name is really hard. Minishovsky, who is apparently mentioned in Marcy's letter, and who sold the book to Rudolph uh, II, claimed that the book belonged to Roger Bacon, but Marcy said the jury was still out for him. So this led Voynich to believe that the book was penned by the very same, 
though he did toy with the idea that it could have also been written by Albertus Magnus, or also known as St. Albert the Great, who is considered to be the greatest philosopher and theologian of medieval Germany. He also entertained the idea that perhaps John Dee had sold the book to Rudolf II. While being a man of science at the Queen's court, uh, John Dee also had a massive collection of Bacon's works. Um, this has led many to believe that the manuscript was devised by Dee, possibly, to fool the royalty into purchasing the book for a large sum of ducats. Or ducats. <laughs> uh, the ducats, I see. <laughs> Ducati. Ducati. Uh, Ducas. <gasps> Is that where Ducati comes from, the name? That, that's plausible, ain't it? Hey, that's... Yeah, maybe. Wow. Possibly. <laughs> you guys, I think I've come on to a discovery possibly even huger than the Voynich Manuscript. <laughs> you devolved into Donald Trump there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. No, did you know what I was kind of doing? <laughs> I saw this thing of like uh, Justin Long. You know that actor, Justin Long? Yeah. He has yeah, like yeah, a parody. From, uh, accepted. Yeah, yeah. He has a parody um, Instagram account where he acts like he's a teenage influencer. He's like, hey, you guys. So I'm just doing another video. And like, you know, I just want to figure this out. And like, he like had like construction workers in the background in one of the videos. They're like, oh my God, whatever his fake name is. Like, oh my God, Duncan Tromboni. Oh my God, Duncan. And he goes, you guys, you, got, you were in my video. You get, you guys were in my video, you guys. What? <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> anyway. Please tell me why that was relevant. <laughs> it, uh, that was the voice I was trying to do. <laughs> Oh, 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 okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, cool, 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 moving on. <laughs> so the problem of who wrote the manuscript has led some to believe that it was Voynich himself who fabricated it. Ooh. It had So he had the knowledge and the means to be able to write something that appeared very old and rare, but this theory has been disproven by the date of the manuscript's vellum, so like the carbon dating that they've done. Um, and the possibility, I mean, there is a possibility that you know, it was the vellum was created in uh, 1400s, but and, and there is a possibility that it could have been written later. But all scholars agree that the odds of a blank book of vellum surviving for 500 years for Voynich to be able to pen it is so ludicrous that it's pretty much impossible. Um, yeah. yeah, like how would why would anybody keep that? Yeah, like if, if <laughs> yeah. like great libraries throughout history <laughs> haven't yeah. survived with some of the most important documents of all time. It's like how is this a blank thing? <laughs> yeah, going to survive. Time? Exactly. Exactly. So there there is a possibility that the manuscript actually belonged to Raphael God, it's so hard. Raphael Mishovsky. You fucking try to pronounce yeah, never that. Never mind. As soon as I, as soon, I was like <laughs> midway through saying that, I was like, "Oh, I shouldn't. I should let this one go." <laughs> <laughs> there are so many consonants and barely any freaking vowels. Too so it's thought that name. it belonged to that guy himself, <laughs> being a cryptographer, a cryptographer himself, and claiming that he invented a cipher that was uncrackable. So Minshevsky apparently said that he created a cipher that was uncrackable. So it, it's possible that this book that he sold to Rudolph II was actually of his own making. Um, yeah, uh, well, actually, no. Technically, he sold it. Sorry, Minshovsky gave it to Beresk. I think he, he sold it to Beresk, and apparently it, it might have been like like a... Beresk was his test subject, kind of, to see if he could decipher this book um, that he created. 
uh, obviously he wasn't able to. So as to like the language that it's written in, it is a very odd language and, and the, and the actual like letters are something that we've never really seen before. Um, Kennedy and Rob Churchill put forward a theory that possibly the book was actually written in tongues as in like a stream of consciousness rambling that was popular during the time of American colonization. I'm pretty sure like the, uh, the, uh, some Puritan sects, uh, did, uh, spoken tongues at church. I think the Quakers did it too. Oh but yeah. Quakers I'm were really also known for Quakers like gyrating. Gyrating, gyrating shaking. shaking, shaking in church. Oh, completely losing their minds for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> for Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, which is interesting, uh, but scholars don't take too much stock in this theory, though even so, like, and even Kennedy and Rob were like, we don't really know, uh, and they actually believe that it was likely a forgery or a synthetic language. Um, either way, they both believe that the author was dealing with some sort of, like, mental health problems. Because <laughs> some of the depictions in there are really fucking strange. Did, have you guys seen some of them? One of them was a... Mm-mm. It was a picture of a bunch of naked women bathing in, like, this green slime. What? I have not. I'm not familiar what at all. What kind of porno? <laughs> That's what it was. It was the earliest form of porno. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, tentacle fantasies of the medieval age. Oh, my gosh. Stop. Like, green slime Senpai. fetish. <laughs> He's like, let's get a bit weird. Let's get a bit weird in this one, Charles. All right, what are you thinking? Slime, slime everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And there was also one that was like, it was a bunch of women, also naked, that were bathing in like these noodles that were covered in cheese. And uh, they were eating it too. It was weird. <laughs> they were like Aphrodite for sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Oh. You would just look at it, and, and you would just hear the sounds of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, we're gonna move on to those who decipher. Uh, yeah. So, uh, is, is, are, we, are we there yet? We're good, right? All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, okay. I mean, let's just like let's uh, do like a little like intro to this. So, there there are so many people. Uh, who have tried to decipher this, like Voynich, and uh, more closer to today, all of them are are well. Kevin will read it, and and we'll find out if any of them are are valid or not. Yes. So the first person we're going to cover is William Romaine Newbold. He laid out a theory that the letters themselves were meaningless, but that under magnification, one would begin to see a sub alphabet making up the larger one. This sub-alphabet was thought to be ancient Greek shorthand, and it was here that the real decryption must be done. Newbold apparently deciphered several pages which confirmed Bacon's authorship, and hidden in the drawing were depictions of a microscope invented by Bacon to examine the very small. Which is funny, because there's a microscope, and these looking with a magnifying glass. Uh, yeah. Um, so this theory, though, is largely disregarded by scholars for being too fanciful. Also, Newbold's method of deciphering consisted of rearranging the letters until they spelled something in Latin, which is kind of, you could make, I know, (laughs) it's like you could take any letters, rearrange them and make them say whatever you, you wanted. So, mm, you know, that's like no rhyme or reason. So, yeah, it's like you, you, you go down any rabbit hole 
with any manuscript doing that. Since the language has baffled scholars for so long, many have begun to think there are no patterns in the text and that it is pareidolia, which is not pareidolia. how you pronounce that word. Pa- uh, pareidolia. Pa- pareidolia. Pareidolia. But basically, it's the perception of patterns where there are none. And it's wow. like all conspiracy theories for the most part, except for the ones that are real, of course. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, because hum- or one like, of the or things that makes it- us so successful as a species is our ability for pattern recognition. Exactly. Here's the thing. So para- para- there are no patterns the- anywhere. God damn it. That's <laughs> false. It's just not Damn true. it, Jeremy. Uh, no. It's it's par- pareidolia in like its simplest form and most basic form is like when you look up uh, and see the the clouds in the sky. I was trying to find clouds right there, but there are no clouds in the sky where I am. Um, and you see like a face or you see like, you know, Pokemon, you know, like that's, that would be pareidolia. You're seeing patterns or boobs as, you know, I think we see where our priorities lie and how yes. our brains work. Um, <laughs> I see Kevin Pokemon. is a pervert. Kevin sees boobs. <laughs> Jesus I Christ. I do like I boobs. see dinosaurs and things in my childhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do see boobs. That's Kevin weird. Um, I should psychoanalyze that a little bit. Uh, oh, my on. God. Uh, so, but yeah, so some are saying that there's a pattern where there is none and it's response. And that's the reason like cryptographers have wasted their entire life trying to decipher it is because there there's nothing there they're just obsessing over it uh so joseph feely proposed the idea that the book was written in a very very abbreviated medieval latin so it was like bacon was basically like he was virtually texting nowadays yes it's like that's like texting texting it's like LOL. BRB. Yeah. Um, BRB, but in Latin with pictures. Exactly. So um, then we move on to in 2014, because I, I, I don't know what the vowel. Yeah, okay. So uh, in 2014. Vowel is Ukrainian. Yeah, whatever that is. Stephen Bax claimed to have translated 10 words from the manuscript using the same method to decipher ancient Egyptian. It was these 10 words that led him to believe the book was a treatise on a nature in an Asia, was it? Damn it! Oh, these words was believed the book was a treatise on nature in an Asian-esque language. But or was it Asianesque? No, it's just Asianesque. It's just Asianesque. Asian-esque. I've tried to make it sound <laughs> fancier than it was. But back in Asian in 2017, <laughs> yes. before he could complete a translation. So of course he did. Uh, convenient, convenient. Because someone wanted to keep died. this hidden. Yeah. yeah, this is the men in black coming after him. Yeah, I mean, uh, what it really reminds me it reminds me of uh, the Cthulhu, uh, Cthulhu uh, short story by H.P. Lovecraft. You guys, did you guys ever read that? I think we, I think I you've think told me about it several times, but I can't remember what it's actually about. <sighs> so good. Well, anyway, the guy is like trying to decipher some shit, and then he ends up getting killed by uh, like a cult who doesn't want him to find out that Cthulhu is being raised from, you know, the dead for the most part. Nice, dude. H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, that guy could write. Um, yeah, he could <laughs> write. That is oh, not yeah. wrong. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and now we are getting to probably the most credible um, cryptographer. We have Nicholas Gibbs, a television writer, <laughs> who came, <laughs> sorry, who came on, who who, by his nature, would never embellish for yeah, you, you know, know entertainment sakes. <laughs> uh, who came on the scene claiming the book was a badly plagiarized guide to women's health, but apparently his translation was shit, and he took various <laughs> ideas from scholars and just smooshed them together. 
<laughs> of course he would, you know? So that, that, a television so much... star just making shit up and ripping off others? Or a television writer <laughs> ripping off things? Never. I know, so much TV is derivative nowadays anyway, so why would we be surprised that he took the derivative approach? Okay. So the next theory we'll get into is uh, rooted in Hebrew. That the book was Hebrew encoded using aphagrams, which are anagrams that are alphabetically arranged. And so one theory pointing towards Hebrew. In February 2018, uh, computer science professor Greg Kondrak and graduate student Bradley Hauer used artificial intelligence to try to figure out what it was saying. So they describe a method that... Um, you know, to find the source language of ciphered texts before turning that method on the manuscript itself and deciding, oh, this was originally written in Hebrew before being encoded in its current form. And so what they look at is certain qualities of the text. For example, you know, how often each letter and each combination of letters appears, and then they create a statistical fingerprint that can be compared to other languages. So they trained a number of algorithms to pick out these metrics using the Universal Declaration of Human Rights as their sample text in a whopping 380 languages, and it worked. So once they had that algorithmic pattern matcher trained and tested, they were like, okay, now let's use it on the Voynich manuscript. And here, say experts, is where things really started going downhill. <laughs> so... <laughs> the, the, the algorithm is not applicable to a 15th century document because it's just a completely different kind of language compared to the 380 modern ones that they used. And their algorithm can suggest what source languages might be used, like maybe Hebrew, maybe Latin, maybe blah, blah, blah. But it cannot tell the likelihood of the matches. So, in other words, to say, pretty much useless. And the Voynich... <laughs> is written, as we mentioned earlier, in anagrams. And so even if they were able to, you know, translate, oh, this means this, this means this, they have no feasible way of figuring out, like, the order and the meaning of the, the pieces of the anagrams. And mm. according to them... So it's just they have a bunch of gibberish, is what you're saying. They have a bunch of gibberish, is what I'm saying. Yes, thank you, Matt. And, like, so... <laughs> no, no, I think that's, like, the best way to put it. Uh, so according <laughs> to them, the first sentence is... She made recommendations to the priest, man of the house, and me and people. <laughs> and they're saying, okay, this is a bit weird, but it makes sense. But but the, the best part, right? This is where it gets really juicy. Their first attempt <laughs> was not quite coherent, said the a speaker. Ancient manuscripts gets juicy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gets so juicy. Because the first attempt was not quite coherent, said a speaker of modern Hebrew, and they had to make a couple of spelling corrections before feeding the characters into Google Translate to produce the result above. <laughs> oh my God. So pretty much everyone thinks it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'd be wagered to agree. Uh, there is another take on Hebrew that's a bit, probably actually the, mo the most recent theory we have in the podcast, because it was just in June of this year. Um, so, after three years of analysis, the German Egyptologist, yes, they exist. It always comes back to e Egyptologists. I know, it's like, dude, everybody like, that's wants the, to the third time it's been referenced. Yeah, Egyptology. So, this dude's name is Rainier Hannig from Romer und Pelezoius Museum in Hildesheim. All real places that really exist. 
and was, like really good pronunciation, dude. Oh, thank. I didn't <laughs> like, think so, but my thanks. Mind. <laughs> but uh, he believes he has cracked the code to translating the work and found the manuscript's language to be based on Hebrew. And Hannah goes, uh, countless decipherment attempts were made. A lot of languages were proposed, such as Latin, Czech, or amongst others, Nahuatl, spoken by the Aztecs, just to name a few. The word structure leaves only one possible explanation. The manuscript was not composed in an Indo-European language. So, what kind of language is it? Semitic, of course. <laughs> After I... Oh, no, this is not him, sorry. After identifying <laughs> oh, a connection... <laughs> of course, oh Semitic. <laughs> After identifying a connection between certain Voynich characters and Hebrew, he managed to translate the first words and then... Full sentences. Hanig then goes, The actual translation of the Voynich book will need a couple years of work. Even if specialists in Hebrew language who are well-versed in medieval Hebrew... <laughs> And the terminology of botanical and medical texts take over the analysis. The character of the script, the pronunciation which one needs to get used to, the peculiarity in the vocabulary of the period will cause a lot of trouble, even to a native speaker of Hebrew. And uh, in case you couldn't tell, the basis of my German accent is Heimlich from A Bug's Life. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well I can't unhear well that well done <laughs> I know a choo choo train alright so damn that's really freaking interesting I, I actually so, I feel yeah. like that one might be the the best uh, the best most viable one that's on here I mean it's not yeah. really, he's not finished yet which is probably why <laughs> yeah you know there there's a uh, there's a woman we'll talk about a little bit later we talked about already Lisa Fagan Davis and I'm not going to believe this guy's theory until I hear Lisa give it the thumbs up, personally. Yeah. She clearly <laughs> knows what she's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> As we'll see in later theories. So this theory uh, is uh, the idea that uh, the Voynich manuscript was actually written in Turkish, but not the Turkish language. It was written phonetically as a Turk would have actually heard the words. So it's it's kind of like, you know, when you say the word no, it would be like N-O. That's how you would write it phonetically, but actually how you were meaning, like the actual spelling of the word is K-N-O-W, but you don't pronounce it phonetically like canal, you know? <laughs> canal, so, I do know. I do. Can so I- the whole, <laughs> I do know. Okay, so yes, so the whole idea is that the Voynich manuscript is not written in like an actual language, but rather a phonetic transliteration of speech. So says the Arctic family, a father and son team of Turkish researchers who call themselves Ata Team Alberta, or ATA, and claim to have deciphered and translated over 30% of the manuscript. Can I just say I love how one of the words in the abbreviation is the abbreviation. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Alberta or Ada for short. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Father Boom. Ahmet Ardik, an electrical engineer by trade and scholar of Turkish language by passionate calling, claims the Voynich manuscript is a kind of old Turkic written in a poetic style. So that's freaking interesting. Uh, and Nick Pelling goes on to say, quote, that often displays phonomic orthography. 
Uh, hmm. Meaning the author spells the words out the way he or she heard them. Ahmet noticed that the words often began with the same characters, then had different endings, a pattern that corresponds with the linguistic structure of Turkish. Furthermore, Orzan Ardik informs us the language of the Voynich has a rhythmic structure, a formal poetic regularity. As for why scholars and computers have been have seen so many other ancient languages in the Voynich manuscript, Achimet explains, is that quote some of the Voynich man some of the Voynich characters are also used in several Proto-European and early Semitic languages. The Arctic family will have their research vetted by professionals. Uh, they've submitted a formal paper to an academic journal at John Hopkins University, and actually, John Hopkins rejected this. Uh, oh. Their theory, as Pelling put it, may be one more, quote, to throw onto the earth. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, they're already blazing. speculation. <laughs> Let it blaze! <laughs> Let it blaze! Or it may turn out to be the final word on the translation. So who really knows? Lisa Fagan Davis, executive director of the Medieval Academy of America in Cambridge, Massachusetts, calls the Arctic work one of the few solutions I've seen that is consistent, is repeatable, and results in sensical text. If this effort succeeds, and it is, and it seems promising, so it sounds like it was rejected originally, but it seems like it's going undergoing like another testing, I guess, or like an, another, what, what is it called? Another review, I guess. Yeah, or maybe it, like, it seemed promising until Johns Hopkins rejected it, maybe. Or maybe other people are like, fuck Johns Hopkins, we're going to look deeper into this, we believe in it. So yeah, it could yeah. be any of those things. Maybe Johns Hopkins is just like, listen, we've got so many of these, like, I don't have time <laughs> to analyze your bullshit. Listen, <laughs> your we're bullshit. too busy counting how many people are getting coronavirus in the US, so... Yeah. So, I mean, but it sounds like even, but I mean, dude, scholars could have rejected it for any number of reasons. It might have been like a valid solution, but they were like, well, we just don't think that it's Turkish. So, no. Um, But so, yeah, it could have been the case. uh, If Fagan Davis says that it, it, there's a possibility, then shit. I believe her. Hell yeah. I'm going to say Fagan. I'm going to (laughs) say Fagan Davis. And, or I might go Fagin Davis. Like Fagin, I'm cursing Fagin. her. Like Fagin. All right. Um, <laughs> Fagin so, Davis. Uh, Matt has so poetically titled this part, July 2019 Hometown Attempts. Actually, I it's part of Jeremy's research. Oh. But it is our homeland, the Bay Area for me and Matt. Matt and Jerbear are from the Bay Area of California, uh, <laughs> which is like the San Francisco Bay Area for you listeners that aren't from here because when people said the Bay Area when I first moved out to California I just nodded my head and smiled because I didn't know what the hell they were talking about <laughs> um, so yes that's like the San there Francisco there are plenty of bays along California Okay, so Bay Area researchers led by a Foothill College anthropology instructor say they Dude, now I just say found it? the key Hmm? I went. I went to Foothill for two years, so it was so funny for me to read this. And I'm sad that, like, after you see how this guy is, I'm so sad I never took his anthropology course. Okay, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was thinking that as where I was like, wait, is this James yeah. Foothill? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they've now found the key to translating the Voynich manuscripts' cryptic text. A first step, they say, will allow medieval language experts to build on their work and unravel the manuscripts' mysteries. We've now unlocked the door. 
said Timothy King, a foothill instructor who earned a doctorate in anthropological... I can never say this damn word. Anthropological sciences from Stanford (laughs) University. And then he goes to say, we can read it. (laughs) With an expert in classical Latin, Julian Kondo, King's team concluded the manuscript's language is a vulgar Latin dialect likely affected by a contemporary Italian dialect. (laughs) <laughs> but it was unrecognizable because it was written in a late modified subset of a once widespread shorthand known as Tyrrhenian notes, a shorthand method that was developed and used in medieval European monasteries during a time before printing presses and paper when it was crucial to economize. God damn it. To economize writing. <laughs> I also think the quote ended way earlier, but uh, there was no end quote, so I just kept going with it. <laughs> no, you uh, know what? I think that... Let's just say that was the whole quote. Let's just go with that. Yeah, it's the whole, it's the whole one. Uh, totally so fucking idiot. King decided that it is a late medieval <laughs> manual on women's health, including guidance for using the belladonna plant known as deadly nightshade to induce an abortion. And the paper, which is not the first time we've talked about this, uh, Nightshade today. is also in Skyrim. That's the second time that's come up. Oh my god! Da da dun da da dun Oh my god! That's Game of Thrones theme song. Sorry. Yeah. Wait. 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 What's the Skyrim song? What's their theme song? I don't know, man. We're moving on. We spend too much time on Skyrim. Shit. In the paper, they identify likely locations in northern Italy of the castles and hot springs dedicated depicted in the manuscript. So this would. They're, they're saying northern Italy is kind of where this manuscript is from. King northern also Italia. says they decided to publish their research online at academia.edu rather than through a peer-reviewed scientific journal because there are few experts in such a niche field. I just, uh, they later say, who's qualified to review this? King asked. Our work stands on its own. Qualified people are welcome to look at it. Dude. Sounds what? very... Sounds He's, very standoffish. He sounds so into himself, right? And yeah. you look at a picture of this guy, bro. He just looks like uh, he looks like a B grade Steven Seagal who like got into like drugs. You know, well, I'm mean, Steven Seagal probably did get into drugs, huh? Well, that's what he, he looks got like, dude. Heavier into drugs. Yeah, he looks like a B grade washed up Steven Seagal who likes to dress up as Indiana Jones and thinks that he's like a spelunker. And for that reason, wow. I'm sad I never took his class. <laughs> what a fucking Jeez. image. Um, yeah, dude. So, Lisa Fagan Davis, yes, the same Lisa Fagan Davis, reviewed King's paper and had this to say. I can say without reservation that their proposal is not new to Voynich research and it cannot possibly be correct. <laughs> All right, then I, I believe her. I know. I love Lisa. how hands, gloves off she is. So gloves off. Know. She, she's like, no, that it's cannot like, possibly be right. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what, Indiana <laughs> Seagal? You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong, Indiana. You're wrong. Okay, um, so I'm going to do the next one. And then, Kevin, see, I have a, a quote in there. You're going to be Lisa Fagan Davis, so you can get a little more in before we close the podcast. Baby. Got it, got it, got it. All right, here we go. So... In May 2019, Gerard Cheshire published an article in Romance Studies, claiming to have deciphered the document in two weeks, claiming it was a compendium of, oh, sorry, a compendium of information on herbal remedies, therapeutic bathing, and astrological readings. He claims it was written in a lost language called Proto-Romance. 
The language, he claims, was commonplace in the Mediterranean during the medieval period, but was not used in written documents as Latin was the language of royalty, church, and government. Dr. Cheshire says he believes the manuscript was compiled by Dominican nuns as a source of reference for Maria of Castile, Queen of Aragon, and Great Aunt to Catherine of Aragon. Bristol University, where Cheshire was employed at the time of publishing this, said it plans to seek, quote, further validation after, quote, concerns from fellow academics. And they say, Dr. Cheshire is a research assistant, and the paper was entirely the author's own work and is not affiliated with the university. But what does Lisa Fagan Davis think? Naturally, she had strong opinions about this claim, tweeting, which this feels more like 100, more than 160 characters, but we'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> As with most would be Voynich interpreters, the logic of this proposal is circular and aspirational. He starts with a theory about what a particular series of glyphs might mean, usually because of the word's proximity to an image that he believes he can interpret. He then investigates any number of medieval romance language dictionaries until he finds a word that seems to suit his theory. Then he argues that because he has found a romance language word that fits his hypothesis, his hypothesis must be right. His, trans his translations from what is essentially gibberish, an am amalgam, we're going to let that one go, of multiple languages are themselves aspirational rather than amalgam. being actual amalgam. translations. Oh, amalgam. I knew that word. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just so, I mean, weird. Kevin, you really yeah. can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not <laughs> If you didn't have so many goddamn typos, I would be a little bit more confident in the words I see. You know what? I don't this think it matters section. whether Matt sir, has we should the go typos or not. Fisticuffs. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, Lisa, like, I mean, she gave more of a more of a breakdown in rejecting that theory. But still, you know, it's like this, these fucking guys don't know what they're freaking talking about, except for the Turkish guy, I guess. And so in response to Lisa uh, the, uh, and also whatchamacallit, um, he was also challenged by King, the Bay Area foothill researcher that we talked about. Because his research was published around the same time as Cheshire's. And so in defense of himself, Cheshire responded, My paper passed blind peer review with a reputable journal as it was independently tested and passed by a panel of academics. That is the gold standard for academics. The only reason why doubt was cast over it in the news is because there are many enthusiasts out there for whom the manuscript is their social outlet and pastime. So they didn't want it solved, and they launched a trolling campaign. <laughs> Dude, this guy is so salty to be like, oh, I know, you know. <laughs> It's just they 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 have no meaning in their lives if if it's solved because then what will they do with their time? So they don't want to acknowledge that I finally solved it in two weeks merely. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's so full of shit. I know, dude. This motherfucker <laughs> needs to go to tea time and eat some crumpets, dude. Um. Yeah, so uh, King also because Cheshire, you know, criticized King's work. King called Cheshire's work uninformed. <laughs> <laughs> God. So these guys a, are vicious. I know. I was like, look at these fucking idiots. They think they know what's up. No, no, no. Drastically uninformed. Did Cheshire even read a book? <laughs> and so <laughs> this is academia for you, though. I know. And so what I was left wondering is, you know, Lisa Fagan Davis seems to know a lot about why things are wrong. <laughs> why hasn't she translated this herself? Hmm. If you're so, if you're so yeah, qualified, well, that is interesting, Lisa. 
Uh, but she hasn't said, but she did tweet, you know, she was like, here, here are her criteria for a believable hashtag Voynich solution. Number one, sound first principles. So we're just, we're having a premise that is sound to translators and cryptographers. Two, reproducible by others, as all good science should be. <coughs> Evolution, <coughs> Big Bang Theory. Uh, number three, <laughs> conformance, oh to, uh, conformance to linguistic and codicological facts. the earth facts. is round. <laughs> <laughs> Reproduce that bitch. Uh, and then number four. <laughs> show me the evidence. Yeah, show me, show me. <laughs> number four, a text that makes sense. Five, logical correspondence of text and illustration. And nobody has checked all those boxes yet. And uh, another recent tweet from Lisa Fagan Davis was, Chadwick Boseman? Question mark, exclamation point. Really, 2020? What a gut punch. And so, <laughs> I mean, if that you doesn't just You looked her up? <laughs> I looked up her Twitter, bro. I looked amazing. up her tweets. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so just see, what is Lisa Fagan Davis into? You know, what kind of person she is? You know, because you, I because really like for example, I know she's fun, right? Because, you know, you might hear about, you know, things that President Trump has said and be like, you know what? This guy seems off the rails. This guy kind of seems like, what does he know what he's talking about? Uh, yeah, let and me so, go to his you, Twitter you know, and see. Exactly. <laughs> so you might want to check the Twitter and see, oh, he, he's more crazy than I thought he was. You know, his Twitter is actually <laughs> a effing riot. It is. <laughs> Yeah. Donald, yeah, Donald Trump. Did you see how like the Daily Show, like you know, a couple of years ago, they had this museum of Trump's tweets, and you can just look at like it was like framed in a glass case, and you can just see real tweets. I feel like that needs to be extended and then preserved forever, and people like <laughs> in 2050 can just like it's like, did you have you visited the Donald wow. Trump tweet museum? Can you believe 50 <laughs> years ago that was our president? <laughs> Dude, that probably actually will exist. I yeah. swear to God, it will just be like in like a virtual, we'll be able to put on our VR headsets and we'll be able to go into like a virtual museum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's so funny, man. But anyway, that's that's kind of the, that's the podcast. I mean, I, there was, obviously there have been speculations that it's a hoax, speculations that aliens actually were the ones that penned it. Um, and then of course there's the idea that there was this guy that said that he was a medium uh, and he could speak to the dead, and that actually John D. He got in contact with John D. You know that guy that that sold it to Rudolph, um, and that John D. was the one that that penned it. So that's yeah. an interesting one. Um, and then the idea that it was penned by an angel is another cool one. But uh, obviously, those ones can't really be uh, proved. It definitely does not. Th those definitely do not uh, correspond with Fa Fagan Fagan Davis's criteria. Yeah, so but, uh, uh, what, yeah. what do we think? What what which theory do we think? I mean, I, I feel like I'm just gonna go with whatever Fagan Davis has to say. Yeah. And I think the the Turkish one actually sounds almost believable, I guess, but that's also because I don't really know Turkish. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I'd believe it. Yeah, exactly. But well, I, go ahead, I think hot take. It's just it. written by aliens. There All right, you know what? Yeah. No. <laughs> I think I think aliens. that. I think that the Anunnaki were still with us in the medieval era, um, but they were just about to leave Earth, and they were like, "Well, we need to like, we need to like jot down. <laughs> this is going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. We need to jot. We need to leave some sort of mystery. We, we need to leave like a, a codex behind 
so that people can un- uncover the mystery inside and 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 find out when we're going to come back and when Nibiru is coming back. So clearly it was written by aliens, which are angels at the same time, because angels, gods, Anunnaki, they're all kind of the same thing. And uh, yeah, that's that's uh, just what I believe. Yeah. There we go. The so they're gonna they're gonna allow us to translate the document just in time for them to come back and be like, oh my god, exactly. we translated it. Oh my god, they're coming back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we Holy must prepare. Moly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, to get the my hot ready. take, some monastery or something had a simpleton that was working there, but they all loved him. And they were like, you know, we want this person to be happy because they're good. Kevin's like, hashtag relatable. <laughs> or they're like, or he was the only one that claimed to be able to read and write. And so. Oh, wait, then that's not you. Wait. Damn it. And then so he <laughs> took it upon himself to document everything that he knew or they found out about medicine. And uh, this guy wrote it all down. And nobody else could either read it or everybody else knew that it was gibberish. But they didn't want to like throw it away because huh. it would hurt his feelings. And so they, they just kept it. And then because it just somehow kept getting passed around and then eventually somebody got it and was like, whoa, this seems deep. I don't want to get rid of this because this could be worth something. You know, all these other artists are dying and then all of a sudden their work is worth something. Like maybe this could be, maybe this could be big. And they and it's just continued down that path. But I think the original thing was, I think it was just much simpler. It's got to be what it is. Even, the, yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like they, can't, they can't make heads or tails of it. And there's not anything else that's written in that style. So, or it was just somebody who was trying. I, I don't know. Why would they write scientific stuff down, but in a language nobody could understand? Yeah, it's so mysterious, right? Like, who was it meant to help? I I don't know. Maybe it wasn't meant to help. Maybe it was meant to help the person who wrote it, you know, yeah. just to keep them they sane. They were just getting out. I know, they were just, like, making up things and, like, ooh, let me, I hate this world. Let me make one of my own. Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's, there's definitely a possibility that it's, like, the original uh, world builder, you know? Like, it, almost like the first token, you know? Where he's creating these fantasy plants, fantasy ingredients, fantasy text, creating his own language. Uh, who knows? Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, my okay, so I'll do my hot take. My yeah. hot take is I think that, yeah, um the Turkish or possibly the most recent Hebrew, the one that guys, you know, it'll take like three years to translate. I'm curious to see his translation, you know, once they get it done in like three, four years, yeah. whatever. It seems like those are the hottest leads so far, but it fascinates me that this has confounded historians and cryptologists for all these decades. It fascinates me that Steven Seagal, Indiana Jones, hmm. was so adamant about, like, I've figured this out. And Chester was like, I've figured this out. Um, yeah, I... As to who wrote it, yeah, that is kind of... That is kind of uh, mind-boggling. I think it's related to something occult. I think it's something, could, yeah. you know, some kind of secret society 
and you know maybe their record well okay either one of two options they're either still around today and they know exactly what it means and they're just keeping it very guarded or number two the secret society died out before they could kind of preserve any of that information and, and pass it forward you know or like maybe kind of medieval maybe yeah maybe you're right maybe the cult is still here yeah and fagin davis Ooh, Fag is a Davis. part of it. Oh, <laughs> Fagin Davis. Ooh, she doesn't want anybody to know. Exactly. She's like, this is That's wrong. Why she this has such rigorous uh, criteria. Yeah. And maybe like the most stupid one. She's like, oh, a Turkish father and son who don't even do this for a living. They're just into other stuff and they're, and they're taking a shot at it. Oh, yes. This this one seems very promising. This is the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This exactly. Is the one we should She's give attention to. He's like, by the way, can I get some Turkish bread? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Go back to your Ooh. kitchen, Ahmad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I okay. guess that's my that's my hot take, baby. And it's I uh, like that one. Piping hot out of the clay oven, baby. <laughs> well, shit. All right. Well, then that that covers our, this episode of uh, Trihouse Tells Mysteries of Histories. We, we did just it. covered the voyage manuscript we absolutely did it guys yeah um well uh my name is matthew mckay you can find us uh on instagram at mysteries of histories uh keep up to date on our, our uh, releasing episodes and uh yeah hell yeah dude oh uh i'm jeremy baby shits griffith <laughs> oh, and uh <laughs> and uh not funny funny guy on all the socials Keep on hanging in there, staying safe through this quarantine, and uh, delving into mysteries with us. <laughs> and I am Kevin Average Peen Frederick, <laughs> and you can you it can find evolved. me. <laughs> yeah, I, you can find me as Trihouse on Twitch and YouTube. I do all Rocket League content. I stream every day, 5 p.m. Pacific time, except for Wednesdays. And yes, thank you guys for listening to Trihouse Tells Mysteries of Histories and Dick 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 Dick